How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, back at it again, diving into the Scriptures, taking a look at the life of Christ, the person of Christ. And we're moving along here, and we're up to chapter 18. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. And we'll pick up where we left off all right so there's a few things we want to talk about here at the beginning now you hear a term called the greatest of all time now people use the word goat g-o-a-t the greatest of all time we're going to take a look at that term and take a look at what the bible says about this because going by what uh, the disciples are asking jesus in verse one and uh, it's quite an interesting study interesting uh, thing to think about so make sure you got your Bibles and all that handy. Grab your tea, grab your coffee. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast, that'd be great. We want to try to limit our rabbit trailing as much as we can. Okay. So kind of going off of uh, our previous study that where we ended in talking about the issues that we see with much of uh, modern Christianity, the watering down, the uh, diminishing of the severity, the lack of zealousness and all this kind of thing that, that we see, and uh, a bit of a, a, a scriptural warning for ourselves of things to watch for, to look out for, how to keep ourselves... Uh, on fire for the Lord, how to stave off apathy, these kinds of things. And of course, as we talked about, you're not allowed to complain about anything unless you have a solution on how to fix it. And we talked about what we can do about this, how we can approach this. And uh, if others around us won't, won't stand up and won't take it seriously, then we will, and we will be an example for them. Now, in this, we have kind of have a tendency to look at certain individuals as icons to look up to uh, big names or whatever we we regularly use as example you know people like spurgeon or moody or these kinds of individuals uh, uh, big name preachers uh, big name uh, saints or we may even look at apostle paul or peter or maybe some of the prophets throughout the bible which one of them's the greatest which one of them is the greatest and we're gonna kind of look at this a little bit and see what does the Bible say. Now, at the same, as we see in chapter 18, verse 1, at the same time, so while this is going on, finishing up and talking about uh, uh, chapter 17, the ending here about uh, how we are free. We're free from the things of this world and we should live free in, in this sense and not get caught up and tied up in all of the world's uh, issues and political uh, scenarios these things we need to uh, stay on point stay on target and it was as you see at the same time as this going on uh, came the disciples to jesus saying who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven now i personally have favorites uh, one of my absolute favorites in the Bible of uh, the different servants of God is Elijah. He's my personal favorite. 
is just there's so much in him the things that he's done and his approach to stuff and his attitude and it's just i really connect with him uh, i really connect uh, with him as we see even later later on how he struggled and uh, he's just human like the rest of us and uh we see elijah even after serving the lord in the great uh, mount carmel uh uh battle there we see he falls even into fear and depression as you even see in this uh, how uh, his emotions he, he he struggled and he's just just human just like the rest of us and how we can be on fire for the lord and how then immediately following how we can struggle but also i just love the the way he went about it as well and the challenging of ahab and jezebel and his uh the treatment of the prophets of baal and how how he handled all that i just i just love this the whole story of elijah it's my favorite one i hold him up as as my favorite but uh if we were to actually go to these individuals if we could go back in time and actually go to these individuals sit down with them we, we would see something interesting that like apostle paul who we would put on a pedestal as the greatest saint of all time he would put himself beneath us you look at his words and the things he talks about how he says he's not even worthy to be an apostle he's the least of all saints he's the most wretched of all sinners he still sees himself in this way he still sees himself like this and he he really struggles he has a lot of personal uh, issues and sins and things that he's struggling with and uh, he's just a troubled individual just like you and me and especially what we don't see in the bible is something i've talked about before is uh the ptsd the post-traumatic stress disorder uh the 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 mental anguish and struggle that he would have that's that uh, that apostle paul would have from his previous unsaved life i you know the bible doesn't say it but if i can if i if i can uh voice my opinion on something is I could imagine the enemy would be really trying to wreak havoc with his mind that every time he closes his eyes he'd he'd see the faces of the christians that he'd martyred tortured chained up dragged to jerusalem to be tried and executed and everything else and how he destroyed churches and that the enemy would keep bringing up the this imagery and this stuff in his mind reminding him again and again and again of the atrocities that he worked on the church behind every success of an individual there there's a long long road of weariness and hardship and anguish and pain and everything you know uh, we have a tendency to to only see and really pay attention to the victories and these kinds of things but we don't see are the hardships the sleepless nights the tears the anguish, the, the nightmares, all the rest of it, all the hardships that an ind individual goes through. So when we look at Elijah, we look at Daniel, we look at, at Apostle Paul, we look at these individuals through the Bible, individuals that we would hold up uh, as the greatest examples, we see the victories. And yes, we're, we are not to 
uh, cast our minds on the heavy things, but at the same time as they're not supposed to cast our mind on, on the heaviness and, and the negativity, that doesn't mean that we then treat it like it doesn't exist. It's about the overcoming. And uh, we, as we see that in scripture, the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. That yes, we will fall, we will struggle, we will have our hardships, we will have our our spiritual battles, and all of these things will come along. They are uh, family, friends, coworkers, situations, circumstances, our work life, home life, private life, whatever it may be, may be giving us a really hard time and causing us to have all kinds of anguish. But it's about the overcoming. It's about the how to cast it upon the Lord and let the Lord care for it for you. Learning how to rely on the Lord, to lean on the Lord. Learning how to, uh, to stay the course and fight the good fight. Keep the faith to equip ourselves to be strong. Learning how to resist the devil that he may flee. Learning how to follow the shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death. That I fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Learning how to find the comfort in the Lord, even through all these things. Do you think that, that it didn't bother Daniel? Do you think that it didn't bother Daniel? That when he uh, heard about the how the king passed the law by these wicked uh, advisors, they passed the law that you're not allowed to pray to anyone or anything. You're only allowed to pray to the king, and if you pray to anyone else, you'll be cast in a den of lions. Could you imagine if you had that hanging over your head? That if anybody heard that you prayed to any other god, you would be dragged over to a den of lions and thrown to the lions to be eaten alive by lions. Could you imagine what that, that weight would do to your mind and in, 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 inside? That, that, that fear and the anxiety of that. It's the thought of being ripped to pieces by lions. Do you think that didn't have a play on Daniel's mind at all? But it's, it's not about the weight, even though there is the weight of the anguish and the trouble and the trial and these things. It's about how to overcome. And that even though, that even though Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego dragged up before Nebuchadnezzar, they were given a chance. Bow to the image or we'll burn you alive in this furnace. You'll be thrown alive into this fiery furnace and you'll be burned to death. Could you imagine on a human level in a human level as they were just people like you and me what that would do to your mind what that would do to you would you be shaking would you be scared would you be nervous yeah but it's about knowing how to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And it's learning about how to stand strong. To, to even though, like the apostles before the Sanhedrin, threatened with their lives if they preached Jesus. Even though we ought to obey God rather than men. Fear not him which can kill the body. Yeah, I don't like the idea of this kind of thing, but if it happens, it happens. But the faith is more important to me. 
though it be a den of lions, though it be a burning fiery furnace, though it be a prison, though it be a scoffing, a mocking, a beating, a mistreatment, though it be an isolation, though it be locked away or whatever would happen, though it be, the faith is more important. The faith is more important. The ways of the Lord are more important than the smiles of the world, than the appreciation of the world, than the okay of the world. The faith of the Lord is more important than, than the uh, demeanor and the attitude of the pagans. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Do you think it was easy for Noah? Noah, when the Lord called him to build the ark, do you think that he and his family didn't have friends? That there weren't other people around that, that were acquaintances, relatives? relatives even other family members friends other people acquaintances that they knew that they pleaded and implored for a hundred and twenty years they pleaded and pleaded and pleaded and pleaded the people uh, to repent and believe and nobody not one only Noah and his immediate family. And Noah and his wife and his children. They're the only ones in the entire world. Do you think that the thought of losing everyone else didn't weigh on his heart and mind? You see, these are things that we don't think of when we read the Word of God. When we're reading the Scriptures, these are things that we don't consider. We don't consider the cost, the cost to serve the Lord, the cost of walk, walking with Christ, the cost of being a Christian is what you're going to lose. You may lose society's admiration. You may lose your job. You may lose your friends, your family. You may lose all things. But what did Jesus say? Forsake, let it go. Forsake all things. Pick up your cross. Follow me. In this world you shall suffer tribulation. They will hate you because of me. What it's about, it's about the overcoming. That even though I still got to keep building the ark. Even though I must keep preaching. Even though I will keep praying, though they threaten me with a den of lions. Even though they threaten me with a furnace, I'm not going to bow to the world's image. Even though I'm going to keep preaching Christ, even though they may mistreat me and beat me and threaten me. Even though they may throw me in the deepest cell of the prison like Paul and Silas, I must keep serving the Lord. Even though they lead me out to be stoned, I will raise my hands and preach Christ to the executioners. Even though whatever happens in this world, it does not matter. It does not matter what this world throws at us. It does not matter what the pagans and heathens may say and do to us. It does not matter how we're mistreated because we don't fear those that can kill the body. We fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord must override the fear of men. I fear the Lord more and I cannot let him down. Though they tie me to the stake to burn me, I must fear the Lord. I must keep preaching the faith of the Lord. So the question of the disciples in chapter 18, verse 1, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Those that stand in the name of the Lord. 
And who are they? And who are those? And Christ gave us an example. Christ gave us an example of who is the greatest of all time. John the Baptist. What did Jesus say? What, what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? For there's no other prophet greater than John the Baptist. What did he do? He forsook all. He didn't care what people said. He didn't care what they did. He didn't care if he had food. He ate the grasshoppers. He didn't care if he had a home. The sun and the sky was his roof. He didn't care if he had parchment. He just preached what was on his heart. He didn't care what this Pharisees and all the rulers said. He told them off and he preached the truth. He, he told the line. He kept the faith. He preached the truth. And he kept serving the Lord no matter what happened. Right up until his death. The greatest. Who are the, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And as we see in the word of God in Romans 2.11 and Acts 10.34, God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. We've got to bring this aspect into, as we talk about these individuals, and they were just people like you and me, but they had a passion. They had a fire. They had a fervency. There was something in them that drove them, and it didn't matter what anyone else said. And what is this? Since God is no respecter of persons, what this means is every single person, every single Christian is equal in the eyes of God. Moses is not greater than you or me. We're equal. We're equal to Moses in the, in the eyes of God. Elijah is not greater than you and me. We are equal in the eyes of God, you and me and Elijah. We're all equal in the eyes of God. Because we are all children of the Most High God. And God does not play favorites. God does not play favorites. We're equal. Now think about that. Now think about this one just for a moment. In the eyes of Almighty God. See, in our eyes, we would we put people on pedestals and we rate people to their abilities and all this stuff. God doesn't do that. If you believe on the Lord God and you and according to scripture you are born again saved you are equal. Elijah, Moses, Noah, Samuel, Peter, James, John, Paul, Spurgeon, Moody, uh, JC Ryle, Leonard Ravenhill, you, me, we're all equal in the eyes of God. We, those that we consider the greatest of all time are our equals, are our equals in christ our equals in god this is the faith the faith doesn't play favorites god works the same way as god worked in elijah as god worked in deborah as god worked in moses and miriam and aaron as god worked in mary martha paul james and john he works in us he do god doesn't change and he doesn't alter and restrict his abilities from some and pour more upon others we're equals. We all get equal measurement. All of our cups are full to overflowing. And God pours upon us all the table of the benefit of Psalm 23. He leads us all as his sheep. And this is something I want to bring up. The beauty of this. Uh, there it is. He gives us everlasting life. He's our shepherd. God says that goats will be separated from the sheep and be cast to hell. That goats are evil. The world says that sheep are stupid. 
unintelligent, that sheep can't think for themselves, and that goats are the best. G-O-A-T, goat, greatest of all time. Now I want to think about this one. In the eyes of the Lord, is what we call, we term greatest of all time. This is a term that the world has made up. To denote someone who is significantly great and powerful and great achievements and all these things. But what, is the, what does the Lord call these individuals? What does the Lord say? The Lord says, those are his sheep. Those that follow him, those that don't try to think for themselves, but those that, that die to self, forsake all and follow him. That he is our conscience, he is our guide, he is our wisdom, he is our knowledge, he is our discernment, he is our authority, he calls the shots, we don't. What the, the, what the Lord thinks is the greatest are those that die to self and follow him. Those that give up all and follow him. Those that love him more than the things of this world. Those that store up for themselves treasure in heaven and not treasure on earth. Those that forsake their own selves, of their own feelings, of their own opinions, of their own lives, and live for the Lord. That's what the Lord thinks is the greatest. We, we, we schedule greatness on personal achievement. God schedules greatness on dying to self. Because look at this. The disciples say here in Matthew 18, 1, the disciples say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus. Look at this. Jesus is where he is. He calls over a little child. He calls over a little child, sets a little child on his knee. He sets him in the midst of them. In the middle of all the disciples, this little child is, is, is standing there. Jesus says, verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest of the kingdom of heaven. Now let's look at that. What, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, if you take a little child, little children... They don't really know much, do they? They pretty much will believe anything you tell them. And they just live they just live as they are told. They move as they're instructed. Whatever their parents tell them, they believe. And children have blind faith. Children, little children have blind faith in their parents. We are the little children of God, and we got to learn to have just blind faith in the Lord. You see, the people standing on the edge of the River Jordan, being led by Joshua into the Promised Land, and the river was roaring and, and overflowing its banks, and God says, walk into the river. You see, reason and logic would say, oh, you shouldn't do that, that's dangerous, so they could sweep you under and pull you away, and you could drown, it's too dangerous. But the Lord says, step into the river. And I'll roll it back. Water doesn't roll back. 
It, that doesn't work like that. Physics doesn't work like that. Jars of oil are supposed to run out. The barrel of meal is supposed to run out. Manna does not rain from the sky. Water doesn't come from a rock. Water doesn't turn to wine. You can't walk on water. You can't raise the dead. You can't bring sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. You can't bring speech to the mute. You, you can't uh, heal lepers by touching them. One man on a cross cannot atone for the sins of the world. When we look at things from physical eyes. But when we start looking at things from a spiritual sense, what is greatness according to the Lord? What is greatness according to the Lord? Greatness is giving up. Greatness is surrendering of self to the Lord. Greatness is stop thinking for yourself and start looking at things in the spiritual sense from spiritual eyes. As little children before the Lord in just complete amazement and awe and wonder, awestruck, starstruck of Jesus Christ of what he said and what he's done and what he can accomplish he can bring down the wall of jericho that is so so great so massive two chariots multiple chariots could ride abreast across it's so thick nothing could get and god just knocks it over like lego that god defies the laws of physics god can cause the lions in the den to shut their mouths but all we can see is a den of lions. The skeletons down there and the lions are down there licking their chops, looking at you and you're about to be thrown down. All you can envision being torn apart. But when we look at things from the physical sense, we can't see the angel of God down there shutting their mouths. All we can do is feel the heat of the furnace, hear the cracking of the fire, and we can see them stoking it and the smoke billowing up and them tying us up, dragging us over. All we can see, but we can't. But if we look at things physically, we can't see a, a fourth man walking in the fire looking like the Son of God. When we look at things physically, we can't see the hand of God. But when we give up and surrender ourselves, surrender to the Lord, and believe in faith, we start looking spiritually in prayer and fasting and fellowship with the Lord. Then we can start seeing the hand of God moving. And by the blast of his nostrils, he parted the sea, and they went across on dry land. What is greatness according to the Lord? What is greatness according to the Lord? Him. Not us greatness in the eyes of god is himself because we're not great we cannot be great what god registers as greatness is the amount of, of ability that he is able to work in our lives the more we surrender the more he's able to work and that's what he calls great do you see that Greatness in the eyes of God is when we become his dear children, so we're not getting in the way. God wants to be able to use us. Look how much he was able to use John the Baptist. Look how much he was able to use Elijah. Look how much he was able to use Deborah and Esther and Ruth and, and Mary and Martha. Look how much he was able to use Samuel, Peter, James, and John. Look how much he was able to use Paul. The greatness is not in us. 
The greatness is not in our abilities. The greatness is in his ability, the amount of his ability, the great amount of his ability to be able to be worked through us. That is greatness. I'm not great. You're not great. No one else is great. Spurgeon's not great. Greatness is God and God alone. And the amount of the greatness of his power that can be manifested through us by our giving up, dying to self, childlike faith. That is great. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. This little child knows nothing. Only knows what he's told. What do you know? You, a child of God, what do you know? You only know that which you have been told. What have you been told? What have you been told? What does the book say? What have you been told? What have you learned? What have you been taught? What have you been shown? The parent teaches the child, the little child, how to clothe themselves. Our parent, our father, our great father teaches us how to clothe ourselves in the righteousness of the saints. The parent teaches the child how to eat. Our father teaches us how to eat of the bread of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The parent teaches the child how to drink. And our father teaches us how to drink of the waters of life. The parent teaches the child how to speak. Our father teaches us how to pray. The parent educates the child in all things. Our father teaches us by his spirit, causes us to be in remembrance of everything right to Christ has told us. He teaches us all things. The child learns of the parent. The child humbles himself to be taught. And our Father teaches us. And God says, that is great. When you allow me to tell you, when you allow me to show you, when you allow me to work in you, that is greatness. Not in what I've achieved, in abilities and achievements and victories and platforms and notoriety and fame and fortune and all the rest of it. Not in me, but in thou, O Lord, is greatness. It's nothing of me. It's nothing of me. It's all of him. It's just like salvation. It's nothing of me. It's all of him. It's none of my works. It's his works. His works that are great. My works are not great in the eyes of God. My works are as the as, as filthiness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. I have nothing that is great in the eyes of God. I am not great. As Paul says, I am but a worm and not a man. But God says... He so loves us anyways. God says, I will save you anyways. God says, God says, God says, that's what's great. It is written, it is written, it is written to do thy will, O Lord. It's all of him, none of me. As salvation is all of him, none of me. So is this life, all of him, none of me. And the more that I can humble myself as a dear child before the Lord, the more I give up of myself, the more I stop thinking for myself, the more I become a sheep of Christ. God says that's greatness. This world will curse it because they curse the idea of being a sheep. They curse the idea of being a sheep. Because in this world, sheep are stupid. 
Sheep don't think for themselves. Sheep are unintelligent. Sheep are cursed according to this world. God says goats are cursed. Because goats push back. They ram back. They butt the head against thing, against authority. And goats only want what they want. They drive for themselves. They only think for themselves. They only feed themselves. They, they only think of themselves. God curses the idea of goats. God blesses sheep. This world curses sheep and blesses goats. Think about that. Christ is our shepherd. He shepherds sheep. And he separates the sheep from the goats. He separates the wheat from the tares. We're to be sheep of Christ and to be proud to be a sheep of the Lord God Jesus Christ because only in him is greatness. The greatest, the greatest thing is the abilities of Jesus Christ manifested through us. Humble ourselves as little children, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we see this in example after example after example. And we look at the lives of these ones, these broken, broken men and women. No ability. We look at Moses, how many times he would throw himself before the Lord in tears because he saw he had nothing. He couldn't do it. Elijah throwing himself before the Lord wishing to die even after Mount Carmel Elijah wishing to die and God would bring them back because we see that we can't do it we can't achieve we can't accomplish in us is no power no strength no ability no wisdom we have nothing everything we put our hands to falls apart maybe good for a little period of time then falls apart we can't hold all things together, but him, by him, by him, all, by, by his strength, by him, all things consist by him. He holds the universe together. He holds our lives together. He holds our minds together. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. He sees what's going on and he even by his grace chooses to even restrict the amount of troubles and hardships that could come in our lives because he knows our limits and he will not push us beyond that which would break us. But he allows certain amount to, to be tests of our faith, to, to test our faith, to test our obedience, to teach us lessons of dependence on him. How great is that? He will never leave us nor forsake us. How great is that? He is with us always. How great is that? He teaches us how to pray. How great is that? He would teach us all things. How great is that? He causes us to be in remembrance of all things. How great is that? He will not suffer his children to, to, to be in want. How great is that? He always hears our prayers. How great is that? He will always forgive our sins. How great is that? And our salvation cannot be lost or taken away or recanted. How great is that? That Christ accomplished all things on the cross for our salvation and left nothing up, the, up to ourselves. How great is that? That we will never see or suffer the judgment of our sins. How great is that? We will never smell even the hint, hint of smoke of hell. How great is that? That he is God alone and there is none other. How great is that? His word will never return void. How great is that? He is the greatest. What is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He is. Because we're not. We cannot be. I am nothing. He is everything. He is all things. 
I have no power. I have no ability. I don't even know how to preach. He gives the words. He he draws up into the heart and the mind. He puts on the tongue the words. The Spirit of God, which which is lives in the heart of every believer and teaches us all, that he, to him is greatness. How to overcome, as we talked about before in the last broadcast, the troubles that weigh upon upon modern Christianity, the hardships and all the apathy and everything else going on, and the and the the, the, the terrible wretchedness that we see happening in the world. What what? How do we overcome? By remembering what is greatness according to God, and what does overcome? I cannot overcome. I cannot overcome. I cannot beat addictions and troubles and trials and tribulations and persecution. I cannot overcome. He does. He shows us where to go. He shows us what to do. He shows us what to say. He shows us how to stand. He shows us when to sit. He shows us when to walk away. He is the guide of all things. By him all things consist. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I cannot strengthen myself. He gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He defeated Egypt, not Moses. He led the Israelites through the wilderness, not Moses. He parted the sea. He brought the water from the rock. He knocked down the walls of Jericho. He won Canaan. He get delivered the promised land. He delivers life. He delivers wisdom. By him all things consist. Because when we humble ourselves as, as little children, we walk in awe of our parent. We ask, we ask the questions like the little child, oh, why is that? You get, the little kids, they get to the why stage. Why? 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 Because they want to know, they want to know. And we're the little children following along in the hands of our father asking, why? Why is that? Why is that? What's going on? Where are we going? What are we doing? And we just keep asking the machine gun questions. It's over and over. And he doesn't lose patience. His long suffering, his gentleness, his goodness, his faith, his meekness, his temperance towards us. And he gives us the answers. He shows us and he teaches us and he raises us up. He sets us on his knee and he teaches us and he shows us his glory and his goodness, his mercy, his truth, which endures forever his mercies which are new every morning and he will never let us go and then he'll teach us all things he is great he is our great father and the child boasts of the strength of their father yeah well my dad does this well my dad does this well yeah well my dad does this and we cry out abba father my dad my father my father does this my father does this cry louder cry louder maybe your god's asleep my god is alive forevermore your god's dead my god's alive forevermore your god cannot bring the fire mine can we cry out my father my father as little children we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt us in due time he exalts us we don't exalt ourselves if we exalt ourselves he will bring us down he exalts us he lifts us up 
He strengthens the feeble knees. He confirms the weak ankles. He lifts up the hands which hang down. And he fills in our hearts and our minds and our mouths the words with which to say. He does all things. In us is nothing. I can achieve nothing. I am nothing. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. To work together as little children, receiving each other, not thinking ourselves better than anyone else. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. No one else is better. Elijah is not better than you or me. Paul is not better than you or me. We're all equal in the eyes of God. And as you see in Galatians 3.28, that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, all are one in Christ, meaning we're all equal in the eyes of God. We are all equal in the eyes of God. And we see we receive each other as dear children as well. Still learning. Still learning, still growing. There are no masters. There are no masters. There's only one who is called your master. There's only one rabbi. There's only one God, one Lord, one King, one ruler, one authority. And that is the Lord God, Jesus Christ. There's only one Father. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones who believes in me. And the Lord gives, it gives a, a judgment. As we see, how much the Lord looks at this childlike humility, this childlike simplicity, this childlike innocence. The faith of a child is so dear in the eyes of God, so dear before the Lord, that he, that he protects it, he fights for it, and he exalts this as the epitome of what we should strive for. Because we, we look at out in the world, what does the world see as achievement, as the pinnacle? power fame and fortune big names and notoriety what does the lord see as the greatest simplicity anonymity being like a child not a great mighty powerful roaring warrior conquering no as an innocent little child Not in self-achievements, not in my achievements, but in thou achievements, O Lord. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and they were drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, in the literal sense of the, uh, of the text here, Jesus is talking about act, uh, this little child here, and actual little children. To offend. Now, the word offend, this word here, what this means is to uh, uh, to offend means to cause to lack faith, fall, uh, fall from faith, to walk away from the faith. To offend in me. Look at this. Uh, Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. So to cause a child to fall away from the faith of God. Now there's the literal interpretation and and the also the application as we were talking about like ourselves as one that is seeking the simplicity of the faith and walking in the simplicity of the faith to cause that person to fall away from the simplicity of the faith there's a great judgment upon that one that would cause someone to fall away from the simplicity of the faith and also in the literal sense of of taking children 
like what this world is currently doing. Destroying the innocency of children. Destroying the innocency of children. Like what the UN has just declared. So, so debaucherous and disgusting. So evil and wicked. So evil. God utters a judgment upon them. Anyone that would do that. You know, well, the things that, what, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, you understand that Jesus wasn't a hippie. Jesus wasn't some limp-wristed soy boy. Jesus was a man with a backbone uh, uh, and dwelt by the Spirit of the living God, God walking in flesh, God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, Jesus said about those that would harm children, Jesus said, put a millstone about their neck and throw them in the sea that they drown. Jesus said that. This is, how, this is what God thinks of. Uh, the, the destruction of the innocency of a child. Think about that one just for a moment. That's what God thinks. That's what God thinks. What is greatness in the eyes of God? The innocency of a child. In a literal sense and in a spiritual sense. To have childlike faith and little children. Little children. Woe unto the world because of offenses. Woe unto the world because of offenses, the Lord says. These offenses will come. And it angers the Lord and it builds up his anger, builds up his rage and his judgment, and it brings in the end of days. The one thing I want to talk about, for example, as we see, we talk about the end of days and the question goes out. Now, I ask you folks, if you could put in the comments here, if you could answer this question. What did Jesus say it will be like when, the, when he comes again? As in what? What will it be like? What, what did Jesus say that the world will be like when he comes again? Because I want to show you something. Because the word of God has something interesting about this. At the days of Noah, as Dana says, the days of Noah. Correct. And? doesn't end there he says something else jesus says something he says as in the days of noah and then he says something else jesus describes for us what it will be like when he comes again he says as in the days of noah and as in the days of lot so shall it be as in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot. But we don't quote that one. We don't quote that part for some reason. We only quote as in the days of Noah. But Jesus said as in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot. What were the days of Lot? Sodom and Gomorrah. 
as it was in Sodom, as it was in Gomorrah, as in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Um, what If I can I just ask a question then, what would it look like to walk in the days of Lot? What would our society look like? What would society look like to resemble the days of Lot? To resemble the days of Noah and the days of Lot. It would look like what's going on now. It would look like what the UN is declaring now. It would look like what what uh, the, uh, the liberal Democrat debauchery society looks like now. The things they're pushing. But it's going to get worse. And the, the thing about the stones, we're talking about greatness. We see the greatness of God and the greatness of this world. The greatness of the world is to be able to achieve and do whatever you want, that you become the God of your own reality. Your reality is your reality. Your reality is the true reality of it, which is whatever you want. That's what the world sees as greatness. Being able to go, do, be, have whatever you want that no one can tell you otherwise and that you make your own laws, your own rules and that there is no law over you. You can do whatever you want. In the world, that's greatness. You're, you're, you are your own emperor. You are your own God. But the Lord says... True greatness is not without. True greatness is within. And the greatness that is within us is the spirit of Christ that lives in the heart of every believer. That is greatness. Greatness in the eyes of God is giving up of self. Surrendering self with all the affections and lusts thereof. Suppressing the affections and lusts thereof. Crucifying the flesh. Putting down the things of this world and things of the flesh in our own lives and living unto the Lord. That is greatness in the eyes of God. Do you want to be great? Do you want your life to be great? Then you need to die to self. You need to surrender. You need to give up. You need to serve the Lord in fear and trembling. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is greatness. Exactly. Exactly, Dana. Exactly. There is none good. No, not one. Only God is good. For, in the, for all of this world has fallen away. There's none good, none righteous, no, not one. All have fallen away. All have become corrupt. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. All of our workness is, uh, works are nothing. All that we can achieve is but dust and rust. The treasure we build up in this life uh, that will be, will be where thieves can break in and steal and moth and rust doth corrupt that, that in, uh, in a hundred years no one will remember you. You'll be worm food. And in enough time, your your tombstone will become so eroded you can't even read it anymore. What, that this world is nothing. Nothing but a battleground of the spirit. Nothing but, a, but an opportunity to go and recruit others unto the army of Christ. We are here for one purpose, one purpose only, and that is to not uh, to build up sufficiency of self and ability of self and build up treasure and fame and fortune. The empires that once were are gone. Their, their, their kingdoms are but ruins, about uh, just crumbled brick and dust and ash. They're gone. The em emperors are gone. The, the queens are gone. 
their, their rulings, their abilities are gone and they're just nothing but myth and lore if they're even remembered. They're nothing. They're nothing. The greatness of Egypt is gone. The greatness of Rome is gone. The greatness of Babylon is gone. But Christ reigns forever. The church reigns forever. The faith reigns forever. The word of God stands forever. His kingdom always stands. God will never lose. He will he'll never die. He always reigns. He's alive forevermore. His name is above all names, at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue shall swear. Greatness is only in him. His kingdom, his name, his rule, his word, him alone. The, the wicked of this world will, will pass away and they will be judged. Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. The false prophet, the antichrist, will be cast into the lake of fire. Sin will be dealt with and judged. Those that have surrendered to the Lord, repented, and believed the gospel are sealed by him. Their names written in his book. It's his greatness. It's what he's achieved, what he's judged, what he's done, what he holds in his hand. It's all about him. It's not about me. Greatness. What is greatness? Great offenses will come, but his power is greater. His grace is greater than our sin. His blood is greater than our abominations. His name is greater than, than ours. His hand is stronger than ours. He will hold on to us and never let us go. We're held in his hand and nothing can pluck us out. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. What is greatness? What is greatness? This world builds up Big names, fortunes, power, achievements, empires, technology, advancements, and science, and medicine, and, and everything else. Greatness. In this world, there's much that can be called great. You have the actors and actresses, and you have the the the, the stars and uh, different uh, sports and everything else. You have big names in television and movies and music and greatness in this world of all different kinds but it's nothing it's nothing it all fades away beauty fades money spent wealth fades the great buildings crumble but the faith remains the same simplicity of self in Christ, the simplicity of the faith, the simplicity of grace, the simplicity of childlike faith. Because we come to the cross as a child and just cry out unto the Lord and he answers and he saves us and washes us clean. And as a child, we walk in the hand of the Lord through this world full of devils and sin and wickedness. And there's much to distract, there's much to hinder. But we call upon him who knows all things. By him all things consist. We need to remember what it's like to be a child. Some of us can remember what it was like when we were younger. How far back can you remember? What is actually the earliest memory that you have? 
I have one that uh, it's it's very faint. It's very foggy. But I can remember the earliest I can remember back is I was about five years old. I can remember being in the living room of our one house that, that we had and as a, like a little five-year-old playing with some toys and I, I remember the scene. I can picture the furniture and the stuff and what the room looked like. I can remember being the little kid and everything looked so big. Everything looked really, looked really big. I remember that. The earliest we can remember. Now, I want you to remember the day you got saved. I want you to remember the simplicity of the faith that you had at that moment. I, I want you to remember how you felt so weak and innocent before God in that moment. How you didn't really know much, but, but you, you were hungry and you wanted to know, you wanted to grow, you wanted to learn. And there was such a simplicity of faith that anything that the Word of God says you just clung to. I want you to remember that moment. That's what's more important. The simplicity of the faith. Childlike faith. What the Lord says, that's what it is. When you just cry out to the Lord and He just answers. And you don't have to doubt and worry and fret and stress and fear and wonder if He's actually going to answer. That doesn't even raise up in your mind. Does the little child worry if the parent is going to care for them? No. Does the little child worry if they're going to get fed? No. What about being taught and clothed and cared for and what what about the actual attention and love from the parent do they do they worry if they're going to get in it no they don't worry about that why why do we worry about these kinds of things with our father why do we allow these kinds of things in our minds childlike innocence we don't mature in our own minds we mature in his we mature in his hand we mature in him I do not mature. The faith matures in me. It stays simple. It stays innocent. It stays basic. It is what it is. And I don't change it. I don't change. I'm not supposed to. We have a tendency to change. We have a tendency to mature in ourselves. We think of ourselves as mature Christians. But all we wind up doing is complicating it. We just kind of complicate things. We need to go back to square one, root one, step one, day one. Remember that. That moment. The That moment is what we're supposed to cling on to for the rest of our walk. Oh, we may learn more of the faith, but we stay, stay the same as that, that wide-eyed, childlike innocence and wonder in the hands of God faith of a child that's greatness and the lord says that's great that's great that's great you like that because now i can work that's great that you're keeping yourself simple because now i can work it's great that you're praying simply because now i can work it's great that you're looking simply at the word of god because now i can teach what the lord declares is great is when we stay out of the way we keep our hands off the clay that he is molding. Verily, I say unto you, 
Verily I say to you, except ye be converted and become as dear children. Now he's talking about conversion, salvation. That it's the simplicity of the faith of a child unto salvation. That's what the Lord is saying. If you try to complicate salvation, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. You try to bring your works into it. You're trying to come as an adult into the faith. You're not going to get it because you're going to complicate the whole thing. But if you come to Christ as a dear child, you're converted as dear children. You see that it's just simplicity of the faith of what he has done for you. And you are saved. You see that? What is faith? What is grace? And then the rest of the walk of the saint is the same as a dear child. You see that? What is greatness? Look at John the Baptist. The greatest of all the prophets. Why? What made him great? God did. Yet look at the, the power of God manifested through him. John worked no miracles. John the Baptist worked no miracles. He didn't work one single miracle. It's not, it's not the manifestation of miracles that makes you great. John the Baptist was the greatest of all the prophets, Jesus said. Why? How? Because of his simplicity. Because of his simplicity. Because of his simple, childlike faith and obedience to the Lord. That's what made him great. Because God was great in him. God was great through him. When people look at you, when they hear you, when they think of you, what do they see? What do they hear? How great is God seen in your life? How great is the gospel seen in your life? We see, we see the greatness of wickedness and evil in this world. The greatness of sin and the level of sin in this world. There's so much and it's so great and powerful and dark. How much more the greatness of God then should be manifested in our lives to counteract it. If sin is great in this world, how great must Christ be to counter man, to counteract, to fight against the greatness of the sin of the world? What should we be doing in response? How should we be living and speaking and working in response? Greatness. This world will hate you. It'll curse you. It will seek to destroy your childlike innocence as they seek to destroy children. Why does the devil target children? Why does the devil target children so much? In schools and society and everything else? Why, why, does, why does the devil target children as he did with the Canaanites and killing them and sacrificing them, butchering them and doing horrible, horrible, horrible things to children. Why does the devil target children so much? Because God loves little children. Because God uses children as the example of faith. Why does the devil target and mock sheep? Curse sheep. That if you're a sheep, you're stupid and ignorant. You can't think for yourself. Why does the, why does the devil target and curse and mock sheep? Because God says we are to be sheep. God says goats are evil, therefore the devil exalts goats. God says children are special and blessed, and the devil wants to destroy children and innocency. 
So what should we do? How should we respond? How should we act? It's not in our hands. We can't alter the situations. We, we cannot change society. We cannot alter and change and mod modify things around us. But we know him which can. Who can change the hearts and minds of kings. Who can turn the hearts of emperors and pharaohs. Who, who can stop the mouths of lions and stay the, the, the fire so that it doesn't even burn you. And there's not even the smell of smoke on you. He who can raise the dead. He, could he who can turn the Sauls into Pauls. He who, like in the vision of Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, can drag all the dry bones back together again and build up the flesh and the sinew and bring life back into it again. We may feel like we're dried up bones. We have nothing left, but the Lord can breathe life into us again. He can bring up the faith again in us. He can bring us back to the simplicity. He can bring revival again. He can still use us. It doesn't matter what state we are in. If we but surrender ourselves to the Lord, if my people which are called by my name should humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The Lord is able, even though we are not. All we must do is surrender. All we must do is humble. All we must do is acknowledge him who can. To believe in him who can. To trust in him who can. Because I cannot. It wasn't Peter's strength that caused him to walk on the water. It was Christ's. Christ fed the thousands, not the disciples. The disciples just carried that which Christ gave them. It wasn't the servants that dipped the, their buckets into the water. They would turn the water to wine. It was Christ. The servants just carried it and delivered it. We carry and deliver the manna, the water, the life, the light. We carry it. That which God has already said. We preach it simply. We teach it simply. We hold to it simply. Yes, there are many 10,000 falling by our sides and Christianity's crumbling and it's hardly even a shadow of what it once, what once was. But Elijah cried out, Lord, I'm the only one that remains. And the Lord says, yeah, but there are 7,000 others that have not bowed the knee to Baal. His remnant will always remain. We may be crying out in sorrow and fear of what's going on and, and just we're just completely crushed by the weight of the wickedness and darkness of this world. But the Lord says, keep fighting. Stand strong. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Equip yourself. Resist the devil. Stand for the Lord. Keep preaching. Declare the truth. It doesn't matter what this world throws at you. It doesn't matter how great the roar of the roaring lion of the devil may come at us. It doesn't matter how much hell is billowing its fire. It doesn't matter if it's an army of legions running at you. They all fall flat on their face before the Lord Jesus Christ. I know him which is greater because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. The greatness is not in me, but in thy will, O God. Greatness is in the Lord alone. Greatness is in the Lord alone. 
greater is he that is in us and he is in the world. We need to remember these things. Fear not, sorrow not, worry not, fret not, be anxious for nothing, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. How many times does the Lord need to say these things? How many times does the Lord need to remind us before we finally get it? Before we finally get it, till it finally clicks. It's not me. I can do nothing. It's not my ministry. It's not my works. It's not my righteousness. It's not my ability. It's not, it's not me. It's not my name. It's all about him. It's not about my works. It's not about my striving. It's not about my ability to abstain from sin and to seek righteousness. It's not, I don't earn the favor of God. It's, I don't maintain my sanctification. I do nothing but believe. He does all the rest. He does all the rest. He does all the rest. Our Father protects us from the wolves. He protects us from the fire. He protects us from the danger. Our Father teaches us and educates us, feeds us, clothes us. He gives us the, the glass of cool water. He's the one that guides us down the road. He's the one that teaches us and instructs us in all things. He shows us the difference between the holy and the profane. He leads us into the mountains of joy. He leads us through the valleys of the shadow of death. And where we fear no evil, he teaches us how to not be afraid. He teaches us how not to fear the evil and the darkness. He teaches us how not to fear death. He teaches us how to glorify. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us all things. What's left? What's left up to us? What is our responsibility? Say thank you, Lord. To praise him anyways. To praise him in all things. To rejoice always. And again I say rejoice. To rejoice in tribulations. To rejoice in hardships. To rejoice in all, all of these things that may come against us. Whether they be blessings or, or, or shadows of death. To praise the Lord. To all hail King Jesus in all things. And everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, to all to the glory of God. This is greatness. The world will curse you. The world will laugh at you. They'll laugh you to scorn. They'll kick you out as the social pariah. They'll hate you and mock you. And they'll deride you. They may mistreat you, beat you, arrest you, or whatever else may come down the line they're wrong it doesn't matter what they say it doesn't matter what they do they're wrong they know not our lord they are speaking in ignorance they are working in ignorance and as jesus says forgive them for they know not what they do they have no idea they haven't the foggiest clue what they're saying and doing if the world could just get a glimpse through the keyhole of, of what it is they're up against, they would fall flat on their faces, screaming in fear before God, begging for mercy. Our job, our responsibility, is to show them that mercy, to forgive them, for they know not what they do, to forgive them uh, as they trespass against us, as our Father has forgiven us our trespasses, to forgive them. 
to show them, to bring them the mercy and the grace of God. It does not matter how evil they are. It doesn't matter how wicked they are. It doesn't matter how debaucherous they are. It doesn't matter how vilely evil they are. The enemies of God they are. The legions turn to saints. The souls turn to Pauls. The wicked, evil sinners of this world turn into the servants and the preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what they've done. His blood, his mercy is greater than all our sin. Though the greatest enemy of God of all time, if they would fall on their face before the Lord and repent of their sins and believe the gospel, are turned into the saints of God. That is how great our God is. Yet breathing out the threatenings and the slaughter against the saints, he fell on his face before the Lord and repented and became the apostle Paul. Nebuchadnezzar, the god-emperor of Babylon, who destroyed Israel and brought them off into captivity, who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. This Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face before God, repented, and believed the truth, and became a saint of God. And Nebuchadnezzar wrote Daniel chapter 4. How great is our God who can, who can turn the hearts and the minds of kings and emperors from the emperors to the paupers, from the rich to the beggars, from the, from the deserts to the sea, from the metropolis to the jungle. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, where you are, what you've done. He is greater. His name is greater. His word is greater. His faith is greater. He holds all things together. By him all things consist. It doesn't matter who or what you are. He has made all the nations of the earth of one blood. And all have fallen away. All have become corrupt. There's none that do good. No, not one. But he is. But his mercy is great. He so loved this world. He made a way of salvation for this world. He is the atonement for the sins of the whole world. And he is not willing that any should perish. But he desires and calls that all men everywhere to, would come and repent. How great is the Lord. How great is his mercy. How great is his faith. How great is his greatness. We can't even begin to scratch the surface. I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of who he is and what he is and what he's accomplished and what he can do with one who would but surrender to him in all things. Could you imagine what the Lord could do with a handful of saints that care nothing for this world but for the preaching of the cross? Could you imagine what the Lord could do? If we would just but surrender to his greatness and stop looking for our own. Stop looking to try to establish our name in society. To stop trying to establish our remembrance in the minds of people. I do not want people to remember me, but I want people to remember him which I preach. I want them to remember Jesus Christ. I want my tombstone to have on it the gospel of salvation. Nothing of me. Forget me. I want them to remember him. What is our epitaph? What is going to be your epitaph? How do people remember you? What is your mark upon this world? What footprint, what fingerprint are you leaving behind? What do you want to do for the Lord? 
How far would you be willing to go to see one soul saved from the fires of hell and would be saved in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? How far would you be willing to go? What, what would you be willing to do? Why aren't you doing that now? Think about it. In greatness. How great is the Lord in your life and your home? Make him great. Make him great because he is great. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be magnified. The angels sing relentlessly the glories of God around the throne. What's our excuse? What's our excuse? They were neither saved from sin. The seraphims never fell into sin. They didn't have to be saved. They're made that from the moment they, they came into existence by the mouth of God, they immediately started singing his praises. But look at the depths that the Lord has gone to save us from our sin, what he's done for us. The greatness of God manifested in our lives is greater than that of the seraphims. Well, we should be singing louder than them, harder than them, more than them. Look what the Lord has accomplished in our lives. Look how great the Lord should be in our lives. This is where revivals come from. When we start singing the greatness of God, we start praising him who is worthy to be praised. He who fought for our salvation. He who wrought our salvation with the strength of his right arm. Look what he suffered for us on the cross. The, the, the depths that he went to pull us out of the flames look what he has done for us what are you willing to do for him how much are you willing to sing for him how hard are you willing to work for him what are you willing to do this world has a great amount of excuses the greatness of the excuses the greatness of the distractions the greatness of the hindrances the greatness that our own flesh will go to distract and hinder and stop in all this but he is greater. His mercy is greater. His long-suffering is greater. His mercy is greater. And he can work greater than our flesh can. His word is greater than our excuses. If we but just throw ourselves before the Lord, if we but fast and pray and seek his name and praise his glory, look what the Lord can do. Look what the Lord can do. Look what he did with Elijah. Look what he did with Moses. Look what he did with all of these. Look what he did with Mary and Martha. Look what he did with all the saints down through time. What the Lord can do with one who's willing to fight and not give up. The Lord doesn't give up on you. Don't give up on him. There is enough in this world to make us doubt even the very existence of God. That's how far the devil will go. Have these moments and these doubts and these fears come up in our mind, but that's just the sinful flesh. That's just the world. That's just the ignorance of the stupidity of sin. But he doesn't change. The, re the reality of the, of the spiritual benefit is not hinged upon my feelings. My feelings do not dictate truth. My emotions do not dictate truth. How I feel about a situation, does that, that doesn't mean that's what it is. I could be terrified of the world pouring down on me. My back to the sea and he can part the sea. The reality is God. The reality is 
Jesus Christ. He is our reality. He is our truth. He is our everything. He is all things to us and so much more. The things that the Lord has in store for them that would but trust in him. But faith is the size of a grain of mustard seed. And he makes it so easy. He makes it so simple for us. And he just asks that we would but just trust him. Just trust him. Would you just trust me, Jesus says. Would you just trust me? As you trusted in me for your salvation, trust in me for the rest of the story. The, the simplicity of the faith that you had in Jesus Christ to be born again saved, the simplicity of it, the same simple faith you had for salvation, is the same simple faith you have for everything else. Everything else. Like a child. Simple child. Childlike faith. What does the Lord say? What is greatness? What has the Lord given? What has the Lord given us? The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is Him. Him. And how He was able to show Himself through us. Some of us get in the way. Our own worries, our own fears, our own manipulation, our own scheming and trying and scheduling and working and planning and fearing and fretting and wringing of hands gets in the way of the Lord being able to work through our lives. We stand with the potter as, and, and the Lord is working in the clay of our lives and we start calling the shots. You know, you, know, you shouldn't be doing that. We should do it this way. And you get your hands in there. You're trying to mold the clay with him. And he's trying to tell us to sit down. We, sometimes we think we can plan better than him. He's the great potter. He's the great sower. He's the great king. He's the great redeemer. He's the great teacher. He's the great one, not us. He knows better than us in all things. We would just learn to trust him. You trust in Christ alone for salvation. And you don't doubt it. You don't doubt the gospel. You don't doubt his ability on the cross. You don't doubt his blood. You doubt yourself. Who are you doubting? When you wonder, am I truly saved? And Oh, look how bad things that I've done. I don't know. If Who are you doubting? Are you doubting him? Or are you doubting yourself? Yourself to be able to walk right. When did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father? What was truly great in that story? That the father did not disown. It's not about the son. It's about the father. The father stayed on the road longing and praying and longing and crying and ran to him. The father never disowned. That's what the story's about. It's about the father, not the son. It's not about the prodigal son and what he fell into, what he did and what he achieved and the horribleness and the pit of the pigs. It's not about the son that fell away. It's about the father that never disowned. It's about him. It's about our father who will never let us go. We may fall in depression and fear and sin and struggles and temptations and everything else. He never lets us go. It's all about him. 
It's all about his power, his strength, his ability, his hold, his greatness, his kingdom, his throne, his name, his word, his spirit, his blood, his cross. It's his faith. It's his faith that I'm believing in. It's him. He is greatness. He is all things. He's greater than the greatest things of this world. He's higher than the highest, mightier than the mightiest. He is all things, and by him all things consist. If we would just but remember this for a moment, all of our fears wash away. Because remember him. Sorry. <clears throat> As we remember him, and where we came from, and we, we remember what we deserve. changes everything this world is nothing the power of sin the power of this world is nothing it doesn't matter what we've done it doesn't matter how far we've fallen his arm is longer than our fall. Its mercy is greater than our sin. We are undeserving. We are wretched, sinful, blind, ignorant, rebellious, wicked at heart. Our tongue is an unruly poison. He is greater. He's greater than our fears, greater than our sin. He's greater than our past. He's greater than our foolishness. Revivals start when we dwell upon him who is greater than us. Revivals start in the heart of the one who's praying for it. You want the church to flourish? He must be greater than the church. You want faith to flourish? He must be greater than your prayers. He must be greater than you. He must be greater than your works. He must be greater than anything. You must see yourself as completely insufficient, wretched before his hand. He lifts you up. He brings the revival. We don't. He saves the soul. We don't. He converts the sinner. We don't. He is the convictor. We are not. You cannot preach conviction. He is the convictor. We cannot redeem. He does. We cannot save. He does. 
We cannot lead in us. In us is no wisdom. He is wisdom. Greatness. Greatness is not found in this world. In all the world, there's none good but one. That is God. Something to think about. What is greatness? If only saints would remember this more. Dwell on this more. Hold to this more. Understand the greatness of his mercy to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How great is that? How great is that? To think that while we are enemies of God, enemies of all righteousness, heirs of hell, children of the devil, deserving the wrath and judgment of God, while we are yet sinners, he so loved us, gave himself for us, and saved us from our sin. By grace. Because he wanted to. <laughs> Can never wrap our minds around that completely. Why? Why? But why? Because I loved you. But why? Because I said so. That's sufficient. That should be sufficient. Because I said so. God is great. A term that can never be fully explored. How great the world cannot contain the books of it. The universe could not contain the books of it. As uh, the one song is, Though the ocean were ink and the sky a scroll, you would drain the ocean dry trying to write out the greatness of God. How great is our Lord. Amen. We'll wrap it up there. If you have any comments, questions, issues, insights on this, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. How great is our Lord? How great is He? We are not. We are stubborn, rebellious, thick-headed, disobedient children saved by the grace of God and he holds us despite ourselves and it doesn't matter what we do what we've said he'll never disown us or cast us away just think about that think about it you want to learn how to build up faith again how to get yourself stirred up again start thinking about the greatness of God stop thinking about yourself start thinking about him that's how you do it amen All right, um, Dan, it says the message of the cross is foolishness to the world that is perishing. It's true. They don't get it. They don't see it. They don't understand. But we go to them and tell them anyways. Rest not restricting it for many. For anyone. It doesn't matter who or what they are. Anyone can have a Damascus Road experience. Amen. Amen. All right, so wrap it up there. 
If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up, make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon, see when we put up new videos, and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and content and everything else. Make sure you check that out, as well as to check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We have links to all our other goodies and platforms and accounts and podcasts and everything else. As, a, as well as links over to our Etsy as well. If you're interested in that, we offer uh, uh, good uh, Christian uh, merchandise as well. If you're interested in that, bookmarks, notebooks, posters, and all kinds of other goodies there, as well as our new ones, the Outlaw Gospel. We ought to obey God rather than men, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Uh, these new ones are up there as well. And... Uh, and uh, again, our podcasts are there for those who can't really watch the videos, but you'd like to hear the studies. We uh, offer uh, the podcast uh, opportunity as well. Uh, so you can listen in on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google uh, Podcasts, a uh, bunch of other links as well. You can check it out. So if you appreciate this, please give it a like, thumbs up, and share it around. Get this word out, share these links, share these studies around to others so other saints can be strengthened and uh, the lost can hear of Christ as well. So with that, wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.